Hi everyone, Data Stories number 23, and uh, after several attempts on organizing another hangout, oh man, failed. Never failed again, attempts, people. <laughs> we switched to the tradition, the most traditional audio recording. Hi Moritz, how are you? Which is much better because radio is cooler than TV. <laughs> By definition. <laughs> <laughs> Hi Enrico, how are you doing? Uh, good, good. We are well. We have a very crappy weather today. It's raining. Yeah, but super it's cold good. here as well. It's good. Mm. Life is good. It's getting a little more relaxed. Semester and the semester ended a few days ago, and um, yeah, we're getting more relaxed. Cool. And you? Uh, super busy trying to wrap up everything. I'll. Uh, Go to New York in a week, Enrico. You know that, right? Oh, yeah. And afterwards <laughs> really? to IO. And next week I go to conference and uh, have some little vacations with my family. So now I need to finish everything I started, which is uh, challenging, but I'll, I'll manage. Sounds, sounds like a plan. You have a plan. I, I have a plan, but the plan is bigger than me. <laughs> yeah. when, when you get to New York, we should organize uh, some... We should actually... We should organize a Google Hangout. <laughs> a Google Hangout. No, 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 no. <laughs> In the park. <laughs> Our listeners don't know how much time we we spent during the we last We started around 20 Hangouts and none yeah, of them Yeah, we worked. started 20 Hangouts yeah. and, and failed miserably. Uh, so I think you want to give um, a brief uh, announcement, right, about the new feature we have in the blog and then we start the episode. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we never mentioned that, but I added a little flatter button to our site and Flatter is a really nice service. Um, so basically the idea is, you know, everybody's consuming media on the web and, and they never really developed a good payment model. Some people have paywalls and you need to subscribe and others say, well, we do everything for free, but then how do you finance it? And Flatter is sort of in between. It's kind of nice. Um, the way it works is you put like 10 or 20 or something dollar or euro or any amount you want on your account. Uh, per month, and then you spend that on the things that you read on a regular basis or listen to uh, or um, whatever you consume. And then it will be sort of added to the account of these people producing the media. And we thought it could be nice just to try it out. So if you are on Flatter, you can Flatter us now, or you might want to look at the site and uh, subscribe us there and help us a little with the server costs and, and these types of things. And get Enrico a proper microphone, stuff like that. <laughs> a haircut for me, a microphone for Enrico. <laughs> the little of things matter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyways, we so just want to give it a shot and see how it works. I know from some German podcasters that it actually works for them, you know, that they can sort of, some can even live on it and others can at least like finance okay. back the So the message is go to Flatter now, stop mm. listening to data stories. Go to Flatter, put a couple of Donate hundred all your dollars money. there, and uh, start giving something. Sell to your grandmother. <laughs> it's terrible. Okay. Um, should we start? Yeah, totally. Okay, so we have a very nice uh, topic and a couple of guests today. 
we are gonna talk about the fine boundary between inspiration and plagiarism. Plagiarism or plagiarism? That's a good, a uh, good question. Yeah. Okay. Brian, you're the, the native speaker. <laughs> Is it plagiarism or plagiarism? I'll go with a j, plagiarism. 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 Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Plagiarism. So, okay, since Brian already started talking, we have Brian Connor from the Y axis. Hi, Brian. And Hi. we have Maya Yavuz from Seed Scientific. Hi, guys. How are you? Good, we're good. Hey. So good, we normally let oh good good we are we are very good we we normally let our uh, guests guests uh, introduce themselves so maybe Brian you want to start introducing yourself sure yeah uh, yes yeah, so I'm Brian the editor of the Y Axis and I also uh, teach in the master's program at MICA in information visualization yeah um, hi I'm Mahir. Uh, I work as a design technologist at Seed Scientific and I teach some courses in Austria and some other workshops in the US on data visualization. Yeah. And he's been giving a nice tutorial here as well recently. Yes. <laughs> we did a nice tutorial at Kim. We are, we are not too far, me and Ma here. Mm -hmm. A few steps away actually. Um so, um, Moritz, you want to you want to explain how the idea of this uh, episode started? Sure. I mean, briefly. We, yeah, we sort of had the topic on the you know in the back of our minds for a while <clears throat> because it's so interesting this whole question of authorship and originality in in data visualization. Like, um, do we always have to make new things or? Um, uh, when is something a ripoff of something else? When is there a clear inspiration? Is that a problem at all? Isn't it fine if we do the same thing twice by different people? And so we had this like in the back of our minds as a good topic for a while already. And uh, then Mahi, I think a week ago or so, mm -hmm. ju just uh, had one tweet where he wrote like the visualization scene is turning into a copycat scene, if not already. And... Uh, <laughs> So it was just a quick remark, and the example was uh, one that we will later discuss, I guess, um, a visualization by the New Yorker that was later remade, uh, sort of a remixed. And um, so pretty quickly, like a quick discussion started, also with Andy Kirk. Greetings to Andy, hey. hey and, Andy. Uh, who couldn't join us today. Um, and so we thought, like, yeah, it's a great topic. And so we just pretty quickly put put a few interesting cases together uh, of which we could discuss and now here we are to to discuss them right <laughs> <laughs> so maybe should, why don't we start directly from this first example and maybe Mahir you can comment on it and tell us what mm. what it was how it looks like and why you came up with this idea that we are already in a copycat scene we should I mean, mention first one thing. We should mention yeah. you yeah. should definitely go right. to the blog post and follow the links so you understand oh, yeah. what we are talking about because yeah. obviously it's it's going to be important to look at all these visualizations in detail and maybe it's best to do that first. So press pause now. Go to the web. <laughs> Take a deep breath. A deep we breath. are here yeah. waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing bad is going to happen. <laughs> Check all the links. <laughs> No, but you know, we know that people listen to data stories in all sorts of conditions. So most likely... We should explain at least roughly. Computer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should explain roughly. That's anyway. right. 
So um, I think the reason for my tweet was because the density of like people copying each other is heavily increased in the last year, or that's my observation. And I started to follow like, you know, we all know that there's a kind of small visualization scene on Twitter, which is extremely active and everybody's sharing links and ideas. And I started to see that everyone is like, if you really check all the links, then you started to see that, you know, people are always sharing kind of similar things. And then I was thinking about whether we are, we already consumed all the patterns of visualizations. And the example was the the subway map, which is actually correlated to the income levels in in different regions in New York City, which has been done by New Yorker, uh, replicated uh, and put it on GitHub uh, by some other people. And it was representing the inequality and mass transit in the Bay Area. And I mean, of course, like they properly actually quoted the, the New York City subway stop map uh, down by New Yorker. And like, it's not a kind of, you know, plagiarism issue for me. But uh, I was actually thinking more that, you know, whether there is a value that everyone is copying each other and applying the same methodology in different visualizations, or this is actually kind of killing the creativity. So I think this is maybe a kind of good start. And uh, if people, when, when they see the links, they will realize that, you know, it's almost exactly the same. Like the idea is the same and the visualization style is the same and yeah, I mean, I would call that a remake, really, because they yes. very openly try to do exactly the same thing. But I mean, we have to say they also cite the original piece and just say, this is what we just remade, right? So there's mm -hmm. a little yeah. paragraph on top saying, here you can find the original, we just did exactly the same thing, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is sort of interesting. Yeah, I was wondering how would the designer like think about you know, their work being open sourced? Brian, what's your, what's your take on that on that piece? Well, I mean, it's it's easy to to make generalities, I guess. I mean, when it's not your work, I think it's easy to say, like, you know, uh, it'd be great if other news organizations or other people could use this same sort of uh, format to report about the same issues in a different area, right? I mean, you know, different data sets, but hey, they did a really good job of of presenting this data by you know this cross section of the the transit routes. Um, it's kind of a, a good way to frame it. Maybe I'll do the same thing. But uh, you know, to be honest, I don't know if, if I would be as open if it, if it were my design work. So uh, you know, I, I think we can all all talk about it in generalities. I don't know. Maybe Morris, if you had have actually had any experience with this, you know, with with any of your pieces. Not to get too far away from the you know the, this particular example, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I had one case where, so I had developed this elastic lists principle or a pattern and then, um, which was already meant as a principle. So it was designed to be, you know, reused. Um, but then another like party came and re-implemented it pretty much one-to-one -one and called it elastic list as well. So it was sort of, you know, riding my train in a way. And this is the point where I got a bit pissed then <laughs> but <laughs> before I mean just people taking the idea and, and re-implementing it in their way I, I was totally fine with that so but I, so, but I I was never target of a real ripoff in a sense that somebody took my idea ran with it claimed it and said it was his and became famous <laughs> so this <laughs> luckily never happened yeah 
But I, I think we don't have an example like that in the list, right? So we made a long list no, of examples. True. And I think yeah. that all, every single example cites uh, at least the original source of inspiration, right? Um, not, all them, not all of them. So no, no, for not instance, all of them. So we okay. have the precursor to the New Yorker map, maybe, who knows. But there has been a project two or three years before that. It's called No Fair Hikes. Mm-hmm. And it displays essentially the same type of information. You know, so the twist of the project is the same. The basic idea to map income along the the metro lines, which is, you know, which makes the project more or less. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's visualized in a very different way. So here's a different case of, let's say, inspiration going on in a sense that somebody maybe saw that and said, oh, we could do a similar thing, maybe present it in a different way, but take that same basic mapping idea and and connect inequality or... Um, income and the metro system, which is a, obviously a non-obvious thing to connect. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here again, but the what, question what? is, do you have to like <coughs> reference it if you take an idea like that? What, what, what yeah, do you say? I mean, is it like necessary to then go back and say, yeah, well, I read this newspaper article and, you know, I met this guy and he told me about <laughs> blah, blah. <laughs> but I think what, one issue here is there are clearly a whole set of standard visualization techniques, designs that we use all the time and they are so, so common that it would be silly or even impossible trying to trace back with the original author of this kind of stuff, right? So yeah, but in, in this bar- case, we have one very concrete design, like a whole layout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. the other is like a project idea, like a twist on a, on a like a content, content-wise twist, a topic twist. Yeah, this is what I wanted to sort out. It's not only the visualization design, there is something else there, right? It's the old concept, the old idea that might be borrowed or copied, right? I think there are three different layers, like the mm-hmm. idea level and the aesthetics and the technical level, mm-hmm. like, you know, the engineering mm-hmm. aspect, yeah. you can say. It. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, if someone just tries to replicate all these level layers, different layers, then, you know, mm-hmm. they are just ending up having a remake, as Morris described this project. But if they just, you know, use the aesthetics and the technique, a similar aesthetic and similar technique, but the idea is totally different, <laughs> I think that we all kind of think that, you know, there is a value in that because the idea is totally something else. And then it may reveal some different insights or the idea is the same, but they develop a different technique, which is, I think, happening quite often right now, especially in D3 community. Like they all use the same data set most of the time, but, you know, they produce different visualization techniques and everyone appreciates the value of this. Yeah. yeah. So, So, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, I think like it's kind of, I, I was thinking a lot about after we decided to, to do the podcast, like you know, <laughs> how we are really going to um, explain this issue. I think we all have a good sense about like judging which one is a remake and which one is a kind of inspiration and which one is a value added technological improvement. But it's kind of hard to categorize and draw the borders of borders of the whole domain. You know? So let me try to... to to mention, uh, sorry, my phone, um, to make an analogy. So for instance, mm-hmm. in, in the arts, especially in music, it's very, very common to do covers or stuff like that, right? Or even in for movies, there are remakes. So wh- where is the difference here? So 
I guess it's totally fine or or somewhat similar in visualization trying to redo the almost exactly the same thing, but repurposing by changing either some aspects of the design, right? Yeah. I mean, we can maybe, you know, think about that, you know, when a certain style in design turns into a pattern, we have this concept of design patterns, right? So mm -hmm. in order to create a design pattern, like a bar chart visualization, which yeah. I believe that, you know, someone in the history came up with this idea. It was not existing there since the beginning. So, but when it turns into a pattern, then it has a name, then actually maybe more important than it defines the problem that it's solving. So, but right now, since there are so many different types of visualizations, not maybe super, super distinguished from each other, but many, many different types are released. It is kind of hard to draw the borders of the patterns and define the new patterns. And maybe, you know, this is a time that, you know, we are ending up having many new patterns in the visualization. I mean, that's my wishful thinking on this, actually. Yeah, but I, I think there's a there's a difference in the sense that a pattern, I mean, it you have to have seen it like five or ten times in different contexts until you realize, aha, this is the recurring core. But if somebody does something first and then the second guy comes, you cannot say it's a, it's a pattern. <laughs> you know? it's like, no, we can't. Yeah, that's what I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I totally yeah. agree. It should clearly define what, what is the problem being solved yeah. and it should have been practiced enough yeah, yeah. to prove that, you know, it, the problem exactly. is really solved every time. Yeah, yeah. That's mm -hmm. I mean, for instance, but, if you do a stream graph today, you don't always have to cite the full history of, ah, I have this, you know, mm -hmm. Lee Byron, Topic River, blah, 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 uh, Theme River. If you use a tree map, I don't, I think Ben Schneiderman is fine if we sort of leave out his name occasionally. <laughs> 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 but I mean, for these newer things where a lot of work maybe goes into, like developing a new form of narrative, I think it would be nice at least to drop the name of the, you know, of the original inspiration. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's often the point. Like, yeah. Shall we move on maybe to, to another set of examples? Maybe that fits that, that um, theme anyway. So one other thing we looked at were, so earlier this year from Paris Copic, we had Kim on the show as well. Uh, we saw the gun murders visualization and it's a, it's a really nice piece. And I think it raised a lot of attention because... They nicely combine the narrative aspect with a lot of numbers counting up in the beginning and sort of building a certain tension. And then later this leads to building up the whole visual, which can be explored interactively. And so this came out earlier this year and then maybe four or six weeks later, uh, there was this really a popular piece by Pitch Interactive, uh, which was uh, about drone strikes. So it's called Out of Sight, Out of Mind. And it has a similar narrative structure. So it's a di totally different topic, a different visual as well. But it has a very similar narrative structure. And although it looks totally different, I think a lot of people said like, oh, that's, that's very similar to that gun murders piece. Maybe also because it has also such a uh, dark topic. <laughs> Who knows? So yeah. Moritz, I have a fundamental question for all of you guys. Are you necessarily giving a negative connotation to this kind of copying or well, or you I, are neutral? I mean, I think in this case, it was very clear that it's not negative at all. I mean, at least to me, you know, it was very 
very much a nod towards the um, the previous work. Maybe and you know it may not even be listed in the credits in this case, but at least in the visualization community, I don't I don't I don't remember sort of any controversy when this came out. Whereas yeah, you know, and and Wes immediately I think his second tweet mm -hmm. after the first thing announcing is a big inspiration was by the way uh, the gun yeah. murder mm -hmm. piece, and I think this is the right. proper way also to do it and just say. We took this, yeah. and it was a big inspiration. You know, you see, they transformed it into something totally different. You know, mm -hmm. it's so they they took it and and sort of worked with it. Yeah, and, like you said, but didn't different. forget that the original like spark right. really came from somebody else. And in this that, case, it's a it's a different different concept, somewhat similar aesthetics. You know, different data, different uh, implementation, technically as well. Yeah, yeah, but I think the storytelling is what maybe you know reminds to many people that, you know, they are kind of related mm -hmm. to each other. And this is, I would say, these two pieces, they are basically defining a new trend in visualization, which is like, you know, data dance, and there is a good storytelling. And also, you know, there is, you know, instead of like, they are more focusing on the volume of the, of the individual data points rather than just grouping them and showing as bar charts or something. So, that is maybe the reason why many people uh, thought that the second piece is inspired by the first one. But I totally agree with Brian. Like I, I also didn't see like any controversy about. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it's miles away in the end. Yeah. So. Yeah. And the third one then in the sequence is called Bolides, and ah, sorry, I forgot the name of the designer. But it's a visualization of meteorite strikes that were witnessed on Earth, and it's also like the whole history of them. And I mean, this one strikes me as very similar, again, to the drone piece. I mean, again, it's a different design and so on, but this one's closer to the drone piece than, let's say, the drone piece was to the to the gun murders piece. And this is where I start thinking, like, oh, is this going too far in inspiration, let's say, or... You know? But honestly, I mean, I, I loved it. It's so very well crafted. That's another thing. When you, when you, when you make a new piece that is based on a strong inspiration coming from another design, you might actually implement it very badly or very, very well. I think that's another aspect of the old story. I mean, if you look again into this Bolides visualization, the reference to, to the previous ones is, is obvious, totally obvious, and probably there's nothing new there. But it's very, very well crafted. Yeah, and it's a fun thing, and you learn something again, right? And uh, so, yeah. Probably no, no problem there. But in this case, I thought personally he could have just linked back to the drone piece, you know? Oh, that's 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 true. Yeah, yeah. But it's funny. I mean, it seems very subjective because the I mean the drones piece. I don't think actually anywhere in the site links back to the to the original. Yeah. But we all, you know, we, we have a different feeling about that for some reason, just the way that it was presented, the way that maybe on, you know, on Twitter that we, you know, us four in particular saw the reference as yeah. soon as it came out to the previous one, where just the visibility of that is not there in the Meteor piece. So it somehow changes our perception of it somehow. 
yeah, but there you see how fine the line is, actually. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. like between like, oh, everything's totally in order and outrageous ripoff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 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 yeah, and I feel it's a very sensitive topic. So when I ask people like about their inspirations or if they had seen certain work that is very mm -hmm. similar, often I get very defensive answers. And as you say, Enrico, I don't think it's a bad thing to be inspired at all or to say like, so I saw this piece, it totally changed my mind about like how visualization should look and I wanted to do something like this as well. I think it's a totally valid uh, starting point for a project in case you add something then <laughs> afterwards. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I mean, regarding to your remark of outrageous ripoff, Moritz, I was also thinking about this and I, I came up with this triangle idea which I kind of, you know, judge the work if it's an outrageous ripoff or not. And if the motivation is like making money or like making credit That's for true. yourself. That's yeah. true, mm. And if there is like no reference and like no single reference, and it is kind of impossible, right? You know, if it's that kind of similar, they most probably know what's going on. And if the value is not increased at the end, like if there's no technical improvements, yeah. Nothing, like nothing. Then that's an outrageous report. <laughs> so, yeah, it doesn't help anybody, you know, it doesn't add anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's selfish, so there's profit. some selfishness aspect there, like claiming something yeah. you don't own. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. But just like liking something and building something similar to learn or so, I don't think there's any problem. Because I was really trying to be honest to myself, like, you know, even though that the motivation is making money or profit and... There is no reference again, but there is a technical improvement or aesthetical improvement in that work. I kind of, I would most probably call it as ripoff among my friends, but I still enjoy the increased value of that piece in a way. I learned something from that piece, you know, like yeah. how that piece could have been improved in aesthetical or technical terms. When you work like Brian or, or Mahia and you notice you're moving in the direction of an existing work, Like independently, it just happens. Do you like change directions because it's like, ah, oh, I don't want to look like somebody who's like ripping off other people, or or like how do, how do you deal with that? Or do you say it doesn't doesn't really matter? I don't know. I think it's about. I mean, it's good that you are aware of it too. You know, like I think sometimes it's it's un completely unintentional. Um, but I think the other, you know, when when you are aware of it, I don't know. For me personally. I think it depends on what it is. Like maybe for for user interface, it might be a little bit different because I mean, there's a very well established sense of design patterns there. And and you know, if you're going to rip off the aesthetics, then then you're you know that that's a lot clearer than you know this button pattern made a lot of sense in this case. So maybe I'll reuse it. Um, but you know, for for visualization again, there's there's a whole host of uh, other issues um, that I think you know. Yeah, it's it's just a it's a hard line to cross. I don't know if I move in a different direction, but again, as long as you know, we're we're seeing that so far the referencing and the the acknowledgement that these things are you know influencing your work is is very important to the you know sort of perception. Yeah, um, yeah. For me personally, to answer your question, Moritz, it it matters a lot whether it's a personal project or. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, a kind of, you know, mm -hmm. project in the industry, because 
most of the commercial work, we can't really just give references to any other company, right? You know, like this is kind of impossible. <laughs> Nobody likes to see that on their page that there is another design company is being referenced because yeah. personally, I have no problem to reference anyone that I am being inspired from. I really in like this. In a personal project, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but in the, in the commercial projects, what I try, I'm not sure whether I, I sustain this all the time, but what I always try, even though that I know that the solution is already used in another project, I'm trying to add a little bit spice, you know, like I'm spending some time to find that spice, which is actually maybe going to uh, change the project, how it looks and feels at the end. And that actually takes a lot of time sometimes, you know, like, and, but I, I think it, it turns out to be successful most of the time, even though that the, the technique is almost the same and the technology is almost the same. You can always find small, you know, um, additional design solutions that makes the thing look better and or like different at least. But isn't that the way design works? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's my I mean, that's my big belief anyways, that if you take mm -hmm. a design job seriously and really like dive into it and explore all that is needed to make a really good solution, it will always be original because you just mm -hmm. took the problem serious mm -hmm. and 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 really try to solve that very specific problem in the best way. And so I never, you know, at this point, if you if you do that, you you, you don't have to worry about originality. It just happens, you know. And on the contrary, if you don't really take the, the concrete problem really serious and just say, yeah, I mean, it's a time series, let's make a line chart. Oh, it looks a bit dull. Let's add some drop shadows and make the line a bit curvy. I mean, then of course you end up with stereotypes. I mean, yeah. yeah. Let's talk about clients. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I get a lot of requests. Like I would say roughly a third of my requests I get is is that they ask in the second line of the email to either reproduce one of my own work, like self-plagiarize myself, mm -hmm. or <laughs> plagiarize David McCandless, Guardian, uh, Hans Rosling, somebody they have seen mm -hmm. on the internet. And they, they see, I don't know, they see a radial chart somewhere or something bubbly and just say, oh, we have a network too. Can't we do the same thing for cheap? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. <laughs> Must be frustrating. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's funny too. So, um, how, how do we deal with that? Like, uh, what, what's. So there seems to be maybe a sense that visualizations can be easily replicated and just, you know, molded into different forms if we do it too much. Just deliver it and grab the money. <laughs> <laughs> Buy some ice cream for my kids and move on. Yeah. <laughs> Not a very good long-term plan, long plan, but it might work in the short term. Enrico, your mic is making no, noises okay. again. Again? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so, Moritz, to answer your question, again, I think I can answer in two different ways because, I mean, at Seed, we really don't work like that. And actually, I'm not really so much aware that, you know, like what the client asks at the first email. But, um, like, we, we design custom solutions. Like, even though that maybe the, some of the projects might look similar to some other stuff, but we don't really have that discussion with the client. Like they don't say that, can you do something similar to hands posting or whatever. Uh, but in, in, in my personal or like freelance projects before, I actually had a kind of similar situation. And 
just because and I think people they like to just they know that you know somebody else has already successfully you know created a tool or a design and they just want to have the same thing on their own brand that's the that's the reason I don't know what's your experience Brian well, I mean, I was going to ask Morris, I think you, I mean, you said you had an experience about it specifically. So, I, you know, I, I wanted to, to hear how you handled it too. Um, so some of the time, so first of all, I will always make the case that these visualizations you see that are so nice in China, they're always the result of a long process. And the, mm-hmm. the process involves a concrete client, a concrete data set, concrete challenge users, and then you just see the end result. But you need to respect that process that leads you there. And if you don't respect that process, you cannot replicate the graphic. I mean, you can replicate the graphic superficially, but you cannot replicate the the process that led you there just by copying. You have to do it yourself. Mm -hmm. And then you will end up with something else because every problem is new. And so sometimes I'll make that speech and other times I'll sort of try and... um, or usually it's a combination and I'll try to take the what they liked about the original graphic and slowly carry it somewhere else basically because obviously there's something they liked about it and that's a good starting point for a project I mean of course well, yeah actually you are trying to figure out based on the based on the demand that they're doing yeah. to you you're trying to figure out the brief of the what project, that means right? yeah. exactly yeah. what that means you're decoding the brief <laughs> it's a guessing game like yeah exactly and but i never said like yeah of course we do the same thing that sounds fine and <laughs> let's move on <laughs> it's, it's it doesn't work for me yeah so so in another you know another sort of example of some of the things we've been talking about uh, there was an original piece, well, I guess what you can call original, by The Guardian, uh, which we'll link to. You know, the, there's a gay rights uh, graphic that works with radial, uh, radial sort of layout states and then laws within those states. Um, so we've seen, you know, and collected several examples that follow the same pattern since then. One of them is from The Guardian again. So they're, you know, they're reusing their own patterns, uh, which I think makes a lot of sense depending on the pattern. Um, but we also saw uh, another version from another news source that came out around the same time as the second Guardian piece. Uh, and the second Guardian piece was, of course, on gun rights by state. Uh, so we also saw uh, this the second visualization come out around the same time, uh, probably too close to, again, know that they the Guardian would you know reuse this radial sort of chart for gun rights state by state. But the other, you know, the other... Other example does that as well, potentially, I guess, influenced by the earlier, the earlier gay rights visualization from The Guardian. And then since then, there's also other, other works that use the same uh, sort of radial thing to show data about states and laws. Uh, so yeah, all of these things, I guess, are, are sort of circling around the original, original design from The Guardian. Um, and, uh, and, you know, there's there certainly, I guess, different levels of of referencing and acknowledging some of the uh, the four forerunners in in these cases. Yeah, I mean, for me, inspiration is fine, but I, I think this is a case where it just goes too far, right? So I think it's so clear that somebody went to somebody else and said, "Hey, look at that graphic. Can't we do the same thing?" Basically, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So 
I mean, it's yeah, it's difficult mm-hmm. way yeah, to draw the line there. But yeah, I, get, I think there are some. You know, when when you're talking about a news source, I think that's that's one thing, and especially you know, news sources maybe competing for for users' eyeballs out there. Um, you know, that sort of adds a different tone to it, perhaps uh, than than might otherwise be there if it was just one person's work that you know. That got became popular and and, and circled around the internet, um, and especially in this case because two of the very similar um, graphics deal with the exact same issue. Probably, I, I imagine slightly different data, but you know the exact same sort of uh, you know variables, I guess, that you're trying to show, and they they did it you know in in the exact same way. Yeah, but it's tricky. It might be a case, as Mahia said, that in a non-corporate environment, maybe they would have totally, you know, nicely attributed everything and explained how it came about. And yeah. probably the deadline was tight, and you know, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. yeah, and so on. And but in a corporate environment, you cannot like. And the reef source is so easy to find, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's tricky. Enrico, what what do you think on these cases, or are you still fixing your your headphone? Fixing his headphone, so. <laughs> uh, but Moritz, I was actually I have a question to both of you guys. Um, sometimes, do you like we all practice visualization and you know design, and sometimes don't you also feel that you know the amount of the solutions that we can apply to a data set is kind of limited, you know, and some certain patterns like they work the best, and like sometimes because I have this kind of conflict with myself that actually I just want to try to find something but it's it's not possible mm. and like you have you have to end up with a network graph you know like and <laughs> that is a very tricky part because like force directed networks and algorithms they all kind of look the same at the end you know like it is yeah it but is. that is the yeah that's the most appropriate solution so it's very tricky um and I was thinking that, you know, maybe it is also increasing our visual literature, literacy and culture to see all these like ripoffs and remakes and like bad copies and good copies. And unless there is a really, you know, huge gain and, you know, like and a really ugly ethical problem, you know, like I, I'm trying to say that actually I really don't mind that much, mm-hmm. like what's really going on, because I kind of accepted that this is the nature of this time related to like well, digital technologies yeah. and GitHub and yeah I mean I, I don't know if I agree that there are a limited set of these things but especially mm-hmm. since you know you can you can put two people uh, to visualizing the same data set and come up you know with something very very different uh, you know there's just so many so many ways to go um, so I don't know I don't know if it's limited but I, I definitely agree you know that there that there's nothing wrong with uh, you know what what's been happening is just sort of it's sort of proving and almost Darwinian, I guess, a little bit, you know, in the in the ways that these visualization types either get reused or, or forgotten entirely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Let, let me even like frame it a bit a bit wider. I, I think, I mean, yeah. what what we're developing here together is a language, right? Mm-hmm. So, and we're all working towards developing that language, and and it's so exciting also to you know to to explore like what this language can express and what is best expressed how in that language and so on and. I mean the, the the key point about a language is convention and and a common ground and and rehearsed patterns and repeated patterns. I mean, if every new utterance is new, there there is no language. And so, 
I think that's a really interesting part that it only works if there are conventions and repeated things that we can rely the other person understands. And at the same time, you want to add something new and sort of create new thoughts and create new, new expression. Um, <clears throat> I think it's much more a matter of how you do that or how you pick up other people's thoughts and what you do with them. And I think we discussed a lot of the subtleties there already. Like, do you reference back? Um, do you add something personally? Do you maybe take a thought and pretend it's your own, you know, like trying to sort of negate the the existence of the the original source? Uh, you know, th these are the things where it becomes problematic. But this whole idea of seeing something and, and integrating it into your work, I think it's super vital. And, and we shouldn't, I think in the contrary, we should not be scared to do that, you know. So I feel I'm maybe sometimes too scared of coming across as too unoriginal if I do something I have seen before, which I liked, <laughs> you know, which is totally stupid, actually, you know. So yeah. Plus, I think we should never forget that our goal is to do something that works. Uh, uh, yeah, occasionally, I mean, occasionally at least. Is important. Yeah. <laughs> occasionally, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is this is especially important for me as a, as an academic, but I think it's important for everyone. And I see two contrasting trends here. So from the one end, you want to make sure that you're making some innovation, but you also want to make sure that you learn what works and what doesn't work, right? And one problem I see now that is that there is not enough reflection on what works and what doesn't work, right? Or even enough science telling us what works mm -hmm. because it's, it's very complex, mm -hmm. right? So I think one of the biggest challenges for, for people like me or my colleagues is to do much more research towards the direction of understanding in what kind of specific context something might work or might not work. So you as a designer might be more able to predict whether something is a good design or, mm. or not, even before deploying a solution to, to somebody, right? I think that that's really, really important and we are very far from having that. In our yeah. Yeah, but that also means like not blindly copying stuff, but sort of really reflecting why it was used and how you could adapt it in your new context, what the difference is and so on. But yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, I think there is, a, there is a kind of little bit of a dark side of originality in this sense, because we have to keep in mind that the final goal is to, to do something that works, right? And again, I think that's that's the same thing in design in general, right? So from the one end, you might want to be original to attract people. You have all sorts of different, you can see this thing from all sorts of different angles. But in the end, at least the first thing you have to take care of is that something works, right? If it doesn't work, then you have a problem. Absolutely. Which is why, you know, it's hard to compare to maybe a, a movie remake or a song cover just because, you know, I, it's sometimes, you know, visualization is is fun to compare to those things like the early days of film, I think, you know, is, is an analogy we hear a lot or something like that. But in the end, you know, it is quite different uh, for the reasons that Enrico, you were just talking about the, the, the function of it and, um, you know, sort of the, the goals of it, I think are, are pretty different. There's, you know, there's certainly a creative and aesthetic aspect, which may follow some of the same, you know, sort of conventions set by these other things, uh, you know, film, film and music. Um, but the other, the other pieces, I think, are a new, you know, following a new set of conventions that, you know, we're, I think we're we're still we're still defining not only just the language of the visualizations themselves, but I mean, you know, we're 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 still trying to figure out how to talk about it, you know, between as a community. I think. Yeah, and I think this goes back to the problem of visual literacy that Mahir was mentioning before. 
So, I mean, honestly, I don't know how deeply the average visualization user, viewer, is looking at these things that we produce, right? It depends on the te- on the setting, it depends on the goal, it depends on an infinite number of variables. But honestly, I think this is... So do we want our our customers or users to look at what we produce and just say, oh, that's cool, let's, let's show it to somebody else or do some... or extract some useful information out of it? That's another big challenge, and I think it's important that we that we, people like us who are working in this area and and in some sense trying to develop the field further, we have to ask ourselves these kind of questions. And in a way also help people uh, elaborating in a much deeper way what we produce. Yeah, I mean, one, one case where it's really... Uh, nicely worked out, I think, and where you can really see how a technique can mature is, for instance, the stream graphs. So we collected a few, a, a brief history of the stream graphs. So, you know, in the beginning, these were like handmade, like the big histo map you might have seen, which is like a huge map of the whole history of the world, handmade. Um, then in the, let's say, I think in 90s, right, Enrico, at the Theme River? Must must have been ninety nine something yeah, like this. I think it's late nineties early. Yeah. So that was the first algorithmic implementation of that sort of pattern, maybe, or that sort of idea. And I think that's always an important point. Like once you have the algorithm, you have described also the abstract idea, not just executed it a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And and then it was redone and redone and redone by many, many people. And for instance, like Martin Wattenberg, Lee Byron, they thought about like how to shift the baselines there and how to compare different ways of drawing it. And now it's something that's available basically to everybody. It's got to be integrated in the new Excel, by the way. And oh, really? Yeah, so new, Excel, new Excel has stream graphs. <laughs> and... Um, But you can see, you know, it took basically, I mean, over 100 years or at least, let's say, over 15 years of of the the last 15 years just to establish Mm -hmm. that thing as something that is a proper pattern and a proper proper diagram type probably. So I think it just takes a lot of time to to, to play. It's a matter of natural selection, no? -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Very Darwinistic, you know? (laughs) Exactly. So maybe we are just the hosts for these parasites that are called diagrams. (laughs) 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 And they want to reproduce and, you know, they want to meet their friends on the internet and so they infect (laughs) our minds. But that's the thing. I'm glad that you came up with this example because I am, for instance, myself very skeptical on the effectiveness of this kind of chart. I, I'm curious to hear your your experience with this kind of chart. It's interesting. It's one of the go-to charts when you want to do something non-standard. And this has become such a yeah, standard it that it's so cliche already <laughs> that it's... So is it the next pie chart? It is. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> it's the pie chart for last of him. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think uh, no, I, I do think they, they do have some value. I think they work quite nicely if you have like this sort of mixed use case, like understanding the overall development and identifying the main responsibles for main changes in that overall development. So it's like a pretty soft, I don't know, in between use case where they work quite well. But I'm not sure what you think, but to me, like the early map examples from the map collection of Ramsey, I think, 
they work much better than the modern ones to me. Like maybe it's because they are, you know, hand-drawn and the data set was like much more suitable for that type of visualization. I feel like steam graphs right now, like they're kind of abused all the time, like for any kind of data. And it is a kind of like special visualization method that might work for a certain data set or a certain context. That's how I feel. Yeah, I think that I mean the effectiveness of it is a is almost a whole different topic to some extent. I mean, it's a really good example to bring up because it's sort of like a a successful you know use case or not a use case, but a successful example of something that's evolved greatly over time, made the transition into sort of a digital format, and you know continues to be used without controversy by many different people without sort of referencing anything. In the past, so I mean, I wonder if it if it brings up, you know, a, a path forward for us or some kind of takeaway as we're thinking about you know visualization and all the different forms that are coming out today. Like, is there is there any sort of clear path for us to say how we might do that a, a similar sort of thing with other kinds of visualizations? Is there is that possible? Is that uh, or is this very much an outlier? You know, in terms of. I think it just happens once something has enough fathers mm-hmm. and and it has been around for long enough. So we have we have tree maps, for instance, which in the beginning everybody said like Schneiderman's tree map, you know, mm-hmm. or something like that. But now it's a tree map or bullet graphs, you know. They they don't is it Stephen Few? Like bullet graph? Sparkline. Sparkline is Edward Tufty, exactly. Yeah. So Sparkline is interesting. Sparkline is like still a Tufty thing, I think. Mm-hmm. But maybe in fifty years, um, yeah, nobody knows about Tufty anymore, but Sparklands are everywhere. So, what do you do in the meantime <laughs> when there are only a few of those things available, and it is very, very clear, you know, where it started and and who is, you know, spawning off of of what original piece? Um, you know, what's the what's the short term, I guess, uh, outcome that can happen? I think the best is just if people are just transparent about their process. I think so much can be learned anyways about like, you know, from process reports and how a certain project came about and why design decisions were made and just be open about like which, which other projects were on your desk at the time. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, and there's not, again, there's nothing bad about it at all. And, and probably we should all be just much more um, proud of our inspirations <laughs> instead of trying to instead of being ashamed of them you know that's mm-hmm. that's probably the main point here yeah, yeah. So, where, so where where do you guys think some of these patterns emerge and some other new visual forms just are born and die after a few seconds I mean there is a lot of experimentation around why some of these designs spread around, even if they are not necessarily super right. effective and some others. Yeah, so it's obviously not the fact that they are effective, right? I mean... Yeah, exactly. That's right. not the fact. <laughs> so what's the component there? I mean, some are uh, easy to reproduce and still look like a lot of work. So I think in the beginning, like the word clouds or so, everybody was like, wow, how did they do that? You know, it's like so many words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that might, I don't know. So can you mention another, a clever design that didn't turn into a classic, into a pattern? Hmm. It's tough because it's not a pattern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. What things have you forgotten you now? <laughs> yeah, but it's a good question. Like, what were were there any trends that really went away, like diagram type wise? I mean, oh, that's the thing. I have mm -hmm. one. Sorry, Mark. Yeah, yeah please, please. You. So I I personally love glyphs. And Moritz is the only person I know who's been using glyphs and making them popular. And I haven't seen them used since then. So it didn't really, people did, didn't really catch up with it, right? And they, in some cases, they work really, really well. Why that? Why people didn't try to replicate this kind of stuff? Uh, yeah, that, yeah, it's so interesting. Far, yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I think many people don't even know what a glyph is. No, really. It's well, it's not a, it's it not in Excel. It's not in Excel. Uh, it's it's not in your in your newspaper. You know. Yeah. So I don't know. Probably haven't seen many, and and so they don't even come to the idea. But I think I mean there are some visual cliches. I think that you cannot seriously do. Oh, uh, what am I saying? <laughs> 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 wow, what? I still see them what so much. <laughs> you are following no, that I think right? I think maybe it's because of like I also cannot exactly name a, a, a certain example right now, but I know that you know there's so many good design pieces, not only in visualization but in the history of design. There are so many good design pieces. We don't really use them right now. I think it's also kind of related to the trends and the distribution channels. Like, I mean, we should all agree that D3 created an enormous impact in the visualization scene in the last two years, just because that the distribution channel of D3 is so powerful and every That's and it's so point. easy. Mm. So, and this is of course like it's kind of like mass media, right? You know, if Bastok decides to include another pattern into the next library, yeah. then it's it's no surprise that we are going to see it everywhere. And the so funny thing is, is, D3, the success is very much driven by the demos and the quick yes. examples that you can take, remakes, and do f your own thing yeah. with it, you know? So it's yeah. very, I think that's a big part of the success is that yeah. D3 is so remixable in a sense. Yeah. 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 It's the GitHub culture. I mean, it's mm -hmm. not only about visualization, I think, but... Well, that's, I mean, that's, uh, another, that's another good concept, right? I mean, some of the examples that we have already talked about, one of them is sort of put out by a news organization, and then a later one is put up on GitHub. You know, so I think the, the you know, people's motivation behind putting them up on GitHub might be, you know, very sort of pure and altruistic and saying, now this is accessible to more people, you know, it's, it's much more visible... Uh, you can use the same format because it did work so well, potentially, you know, in the original. Um, but the original, you know, the original sort of uh, code effort, you know, all, all the all the work, the design that went into it is now on GitHub for other people to use. So, you know, the, the question is whether that's a, uh, I guess, a, a short term, uh, you know, sentiment that 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 will have about, you know, that sort of thing being taboo to, to open source uh, different visualization types maybe specifically is that you know sort of a short-term feeling is there always going to be some some animosity there or, or will we get to a point where it just makes sense to even put the original source on github and and really try I and spread the you know spread <laughs> spread the love around i guess 
Oh, many people have done. Yeah. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is this the time for snowfall now? <laughs> <laughs> Shall we open snowfall already? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's a great story. I mean, snowfall story, I think it's kind of important. Okay, so go ahead. Well, I mean, I think many of... Sorry. We never had a dog before. <laughs> That's a new entry. <laughs> well, I think I think it's most of the people that I assume your followers of this podcast they already know that the Snowfall website or micro website that has been produced by New York Times and uh, Cody Brown, co-founder of the interactive web design tool ScrollKit, uh, just created a almost the same version of it. And then this created a controversy between New York Times and them. And they had to put it down because of like copyright laws and and the complaints from New York Times. So um, I, I don't know what you guys think, but it's kind of like when a company just, just, you know, is being inspired and grabbing patterns and like applying them in a kind of professional way, then they kind of, you know, have the ownership of that thing, which is not actually just only belonging to them. It's actually belonging to the community originally. So, and then when they try to defend the copyrights for the thing that actually they have been inspired from many other people, that is a little bit problematic to me. <laughs> I don't know, like it's... <laughs> yeah, I think there's a, like a misunderstanding on two sides. I mean, the one misunderstanding is that you cannot own the idea for a page yeah. like Snowfall. I mean, that's ridiculous. You know, it's <laughs> maybe some people would like to own ideas like that, but it's just not possible. It, it, it doesn't even make sense, like logically, you know, mm -hmm. if you think that through. But the other thing is like ScrollKit. I mean, what they did is just replicate the technical part, yeah. not the editorial. But then they were quite like, I don't know, they, they were asking for trouble in my opinion yeah, because they wrote like it took the New York Times half a year and hundreds of hours to hand code Snowfall. We made a replica in an hour. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> it is asking for trouble. It's like dancing yeah, naked in front actually, of them. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. Actually, it is a great statement because doing something like unique takes really like half a year. Yeah, Re but redoing making it. the replica of the same thing in today's technologies, it literally takes half a day. But that's not the kind of like a statement that you should be proud of. <laughs> yeah. That's the situation. Yeah. So it took you hundreds of hours to build that sandcastle. I just yeah. walked over it in five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's your take, Brian uh, Eliko? I don't know. I mean, copyright is such a it's really hard to tell something. I don't know. I have a last word on that. <laughs> I was just, I was just wondering if there are. So I'm, I was trying to recall if there are any visualization techniques that are under copyright, and I think there are. And I vaguely remind, uh, I vaguely recalled a presentation some time ago from Ben Schneiderman. I think he did a some kind of study comparing how some, some early visualization techniques didn't spread because they were under a But copyright. you mean patented, some right? You mean patents? 
Uh, sorry, yeah. patented. Yeah, I wanted to say patented. Um, thanks for correcting me. Uh, I think some Pleasure. initial visualization, some early visualization techniques have been patented and they never spread. And some others, like tree maps, they didn't, and uh, and they become a huge success. So I think I, I was trying to recall the title. I think I found it. I think it's called Innovation Trajectories for Information Visualizations, Comparing Tree Maps, Cone Trees, and Hyperbolic Trees. So did you guys ever heard of Cone Trees and Hyperbolic Trees? <laughs> no, okay. I think if I recall it correctly, the, the paper shows that there were some scientific studies showing that these are very legitimate and working techniques and working really well compared to some, other, so, to some other techniques, but they never become popular because they mm -hmm. were patented. Mm -hmm. So here we have another kind of scientific yeah. tool to look at. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and Ideas I think, protected I mean, to death. <laughs> right. I think that's a similar, yeah, yeah. you know, somewhat similar to the to the snowfall idea. I mean, you know, it's sort of like the the worst case scenario or the direction that we don't want things to go in as, you know, on the on this topic of of patterns and 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 reusing ideas and, you know, both on both sides of the fence, I think, both in the enforcement of of copyrights or patents and also the 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 way that these things are uh are, you know, sort of replicated uh, quickly, you know, in, in that case, but I mean uh, I, I'm sure you know. I I can totally understand that study, Enrico. I mean, it's 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 a it's a difficult one, I guess, to um, to to justify or or you know, it makes sense. It makes sense uh, in the abstract, um, but you know, you you worry about the specific scenarios in which those things will actually be enforced because you know the the because of the the parties involved. Yeah. I mean, I guess all four of us are somehow in the ideas business, and I think the ideas business is a fun business to be in. Uh, but it's at the same time very difficult to actually, yeah, to 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 figure out how to how to live off that, and you know how to make sure sort of the things you create, they 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 have a life of their own, and they they go out in the world and they they become famous. But at the same time, that you stay in some way attached to them and not. You know that. So, and I think reference is so important there. And for me, that's that's really the key point. That if people, mm -hmm. so I'm super happy if somebody picks something up. I started, but just you know, if the question so comes up, I, I'm I I I would like to be mentioned then and say like, yeah, it originally came from this guy, and you know, something like that. I think that's that's so important that you you somehow stay connected to the things you created. So, Moritz, I have a question to you. Um, just because you you brought up this issue in in academia, I mean, when you write a research paper, there is like already very well defined citation rules, right? Yeah. So, what do you think that you Absolutely. know in in visualization scene or in design scene, like you know, how do you have any idea that how we can improve like the citation rules or ethical rules or principles, or just you just expect to be happen like? No, I I, th I have this vague idea in mind that we need a proper vocabulary that's very mm -hmm. you know really explicit in a sense like you have below each work you have like you have different like things you you refer to like inspired by or I took this technique from or. Yeah, came up in a conversation right? with you know like different well-formed uh, uh, reference formats. I, 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 I would love that. I would really love that. 
I was actually thinking about like these mapping services, you know, like maps, the world map is just basically the, uh, like the most great visualization we always use over and over and over and over, right? You know, but, and the world map is not owned by anyone, but map services, they always have like their remarks. Yeah, yeah, copyright like, you know, again. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. Copy, kind of, it is copyright, but it is interesting. And then maybe, you know, um, the people who produce like good quality work, quality visualizations, they should make like their work open source by themselves with a kind of, you know, remark on it. So mm. some other people can just copy it and keep the yeah. labeling. I mean, I'd just like to be able to trace the evolution of ideas. So if I see mm. like an awesome mm. meteorites um, visualization, it for me, it would be great if I could backtrack you know, back in time, like, okay, what what were the significant works that led to this piece? If mm-hmm. you know, if this would somehow be facilitated, I think we could all learn so much. And yeah, it wouldn't just be always like redoing the same things, making mm-hmm. the same mistakes. Just build a culture of of um, understanding the context we're in and the, the conventions we have yeah. much better. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I mean, you know, it may not be something that you can. Uh, sort of put out there as a standard and expected to be adopted. Like I wonder if there's a, a way to do that without without that expectation. Um, you know, without without getting uh, too far into productizing this idea. But you know, is there is there a way to uh, to map those things yourself and to say like, oh, you know, one person can sort of add the add the links in the chain, someone else can add on uh, for those who are also interested in the same things. I mean, you know, maybe maybe it's not as uh, as standardized or sort of um, put out there for to to we expect people to do this as part of their process. Yeah, it's sense. interesting. I, I guess both could be could be very valuable. Like if if people like with a really good understanding of the history also and the scene would pick out like significant developments, uh, you know, and illustrate them with really good examples. That's that's uh, that could also be really nice. Yeah. Good stuff. I mean, it's a long topic. Enrico, are you are you still alive? Yeah. <laughs> or I am. I am. I am. To lunch already. It's just that I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm deeply thinking about these <laughs> issues. I mean, it's it's a hard topic today. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, there are so many different facets. Can, can you talk a bit about science? Like, how is it in science? And do you think it's a good model, or like, could could the open web slash design scene learn from the scientific well, ways, or is that like in science? It's in a way, it's much easier. If you don't cite <laughs> things properly, you are dead. <laughs> that's a good world. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the thing. The relate, I mean, the related work section of a paper, it's a key section. And people take it very seriously. Yeah. You so want to cite your reviews, Yeah, I've seen all sorts of battles around related work. And uh, I am myself uh, seeking for the right references when I review a paper. I think that's that's part of going good practices in good good practice in science, right? And um, I think the important aspect is that related work is not only important because you want to have the right credits to people who have done similar stuff in the past, but I think the the added value is the fact that when you read a new uh, when you read a research paper sometimes the related work is a very is a fantastic mm-hmm. summary of what other people have done in the field 
and actually it's a sort of synthesis of all this work that somebody else has done for you. So it's fantastic and it's a very, very important section of any mm-hmm. paper, right? So it happened to me several times that I wanted to investigate something new, a new topic. I tried to to find a couple of uh, key papers in the area and then by just looking at the related work, I can all in a sudden expand expand. Uh, the number of references and have a much better idea and schema in mind of what other people have done in this area. And this is super, super useful. I think in a way it saves a lot of time to all the other researchers and practitioners as well, right? I mean, I, I guess it's, it might have happened to you as well. I mean, if you look at the paper, you want to see what other people have done, right? You don't want to search by yourself. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. And, and the interesting thing in science is you, you first define this is the state of the art, this is what everybody knows, and here's what I found out. <laughs> you know, it's like, and this, this contrast is so nice, you know, this, okay, here's the common ground we all share, and this is where it came from, and here's the new contribution from that specific finding. And mm-hmm. yeah, probably we yeah, could learn yeah, from honestly, that. Honestly, you, know? you have, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I think, sure. I think, I guess the preference would be, Rather than uh, saying, you know, I'm going to use a stream graph and have it sort of end there because it is so widespread. I mean, you know, having that ability, and maybe it's just something that visualization practitioners and researchers would be interested in. But um, you know, having the ability to trace it back to the original, the original sort of stream graph as it first appears, uh, you know, would be interesting to to people who are looking to you know, maybe visualize data uh, in a similar way or look at, you know, again, is it related to the stream graph? Is it another type of visualization that does similar things in a different way? Um, You know, having that map, I think, could be useful to people rather than, uh, you know, making assumptions or, or I guess, you know, sort of taking for granted the the development of, of visualization forms. Yeah, yeah. And I think it, you know, one other thing is it's sort of exponentially hard to do uh, in the digital realm, just because things are moving so quickly and there's so many variables, I think, to ways that you can, uh, you know, have have the same same form of visualization but have it work completely differently. It just adds adds a whole new dimension to the development. I think it can go in go in a lot of different directions. So it's it's not easy, but I mean, hopefully the the same uh, same sort of uh, boundaries. You know, these things being being digital products will also help us solve some of the problems that we're talking about with, um, you know, referencing, with linking, with looking at related works in some way. Yeah, Mahia, what's what's your final take? Uh, I mean, I think that you know, this is like the what is happening is already happening and we have to live with this reality now and i i think the the academia and the scientific scene has already defined the language and the rules that you were talking about and we didn't and actually we can't because it's the design scene and it's in business life so there are not only not only the good players in in the jungle there are also bad players and but I, I feel that, you know, the tendency, the overall tendency is going more into open source and people are sharing and researching a lot online. And I kind of expect that, you know, everything is going to be more going into this collective production culture. Like, you know, now you are not only 
uh, doing a pet podcast on your own, you have guests and like you already did a much bigger podcast, right? You know, we like to discuss and produce together. Yeah, and the whole data yes. visualization scene is super cooperative yes. anyways. I mean, yeah. so mm -hmm. we, should, we should totally mention that as well. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I, I totally believe in this community and and I'm sure that, and as I, as I defined before, like, you know, I actually kind of learn something, even if it's a ripoff and if, even if the guys are, don't want a reference to the original thing. Mm -hmm. But if they just improved just a small thing, you know, like that is a, that is a, that is a knowledge, you know, like I can't really, um, like it's their problem that they are just rip off people, but you know, there is that value still. And that is kind of important. That's my final take on this. Yeah. Yeah. Good discussion. Sure, yeah. Great. Yeah. Go ahead. I know. I just wanted to say that the whole idea of copyrights and patents and stuff like that, I think it changed so much during the last uh, few years. And honestly, when I hear something about patent and copyrights, it sounds to me so much 20 Yeah, century. it's like a fax. I'll and send you a fax with my patent. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, that's the thing. You, you might like it or not, but the world has changed. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, guy. I mean... I'm sorry for all the writers in the world, for all the musicians in the world, and so on. I could mention another thousand categories. The world has changed. There's no way to go back to where we were before, mm -hmm. right? So I think I think I had this kind of discussion last week with somebody who was an expert in copyright mm -hmm. or something like that. I mean, I don't know. What's your take on I, that? I mean, I totally honestly, agree. I, I mean, I think. That, yeah, I mean, and this is what I mean with the ideas business and the the knowledge business. You know, we have to to learn how to you know how to work in this new world. And I mean, maybe that even ties back to Flatter. You know, you know what we mentioned at the beginning that you know now you don't subscribe to the New York Times anymore, but you listen to podcasts. But still, you have to maybe think about like how the, you know these are financed. And so we have to think about how can we how how can you know how can we make sure that the people creating stuff are being compensated without like having super restrictive like patent wars and only the rich get richer you know that's that's the big story here i guess yeah plus i think we are living in this paradox today that if you as a as a creative person as an author if you spend too much time thinking thinking whether somebody will steal your idea you might get mm -hmm. lost that's that's not the point, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you, if you think <laughs> if you are too much worried about that, uh, I feel kind of like you are wasting your mental energy. Just do do your work and spread it around. And if it yeah. works, it works. I mean, yeah. actually, what happens is that if people copy it, it's even better, right? I mean, that's a kind of common practice in design school, right? Yeah. In the undergrad programs, you show like all these successful designs in the history and whether you like it or not, most of the students, they just try to copy them because they, you, as a teacher, you yeah. tell them that this that's is successful so, <laughs> and they want to get the grade. Well, I mean, the, that's, I mean, that's, that's the how kids learn, learning. by the way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. what I was saying. It's the first part of learning is, you know, mm -hmm. copying things. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think we are all looking for certain ethics and principles that we can all like agree. And it should be the common sense already, you know, like that's all. Yeah. There is definitely some value in copying mm -hmm. I mean, in terms of the educational component of it. It's definitely really important. 
And I mean, and if you want to learn how to twist any design, you have to first learn how to copy it, right? So I think it's it's not bad. It's not necessarily bad. I think it's more, as you guys said, it's more a matter of properly referencing people. I think that's that's the yeah, that, that's my main point as well. I mean, we're all children of like our experiences and the conventions around us and what we see, but like. For at some points, just stop and think like, okay, this one work I just got famous with, who's, you know, whose influence is actually <laughs> responsible for that? And maybe, you know, make, just make that clear in public and, and yeah. And then everybody like lives in this culture of, you know, cross inspiration and, and proper acknowledgement. I think that would be awesome. Cool. Good discussion, guys. Okay, Very I good. Think we can yeah, I think we just solved yeah. one of the problems of the 21st century. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great. Yeah, the well solution is be kind to each other and yeah, use your common sense. <laughs> Don't worry so much. <laughs> Don't worry. Don't exactly. Worry. Don't Ideas so go nowhere. You know, you cannot yeah. steal them. You yeah. can just copy them. So no worries about that. Yeah. <laughs> and you cannot control them. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So. so keep calm and visualize. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Here's your T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. Awesome to have you. Okay. Talk soon. Thank Brian, you. We meet so in New York and Enrico. Brian, yes. you have to come to New York as well so we can do a second edition. So we can sure. self-plagiarize. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, okay, have Thanks, a great guys. day, evening. Okay. Uh, great having you. Okay. Bye-bye. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.